Welcome to Women Over 70, Aging Reimagined, and dedicated to silencing the chatter about what women should and shouldn't be doing as they age. Here to bring you stories about women in their 70s, 80s, and 90s, women who are leading inspiring lives that make a difference to themselves and others, are Catherine Marino and Gail Zalitsky. Hi, I'm Catherine. And I'm Gail. And we are the active voice of Women Over 70, Aging Reimagined. Welcome to our weekly podcast. Please visit our website, womenover70.com, where you can download the playlist of all the episodes. We also invite you to join our podcast discussion club. And we welcome being asked to speak to your organization or group. Each week, we showcase vital women between the ages of 70 and 100 plus who shatter the myths that we become invisible as we age. These women lead fulfilling lives for themselves and others. And we are so pleased to talk with Dr. Marie Cassell, age 91, educator, author, and guide for young people. Influenced by immigrant parents from Italy who had little formal education, Marie pursued a straight path from high school all the way through to earning a PhD in English with a minor in guidance and counseling from Penn State. She then married a fellow PhD student who was in philosophy, spent a fellowship year with him in Belgium, had two daughters, and eventually settled near Northern Illinois University. Her husband, Ted, held a distinguished faculty position for many decades. Marie taught in several colleges before finding her true calling, mentoring and teaching adults at Roosevelt University, where she worked for 26 years. Always a writer, she has published five books, two of which I'll mention. She wrote the textbook for a college course. The book was called A Working Life. And just six years ago, wrote a narrated cookbook, Seasonings, a Celebration of Culinary Crossroads and Cultural Connections, which I have right next to my microwave. (laughs) Seasons is the major theme in Marie's current writing endeavors, which we will soon hear about. We want to thank Dr. Caroline Cassell, Marie's daughter and my colleague at DePaul University for connecting us. So Marie, welcome to Women Over 70, Aging Reimagined. So Marie, let's begin by having you tell us about the strong influences your parents had on you and have had on you in your life. Any life lessons that you have carried forward? Well, my mother and father are both very strong influence. I've often said you don't guess to choose your parents, but I was really very lucky with two very strong parents and strong in different ways. My mother was strong. She always, she had a strong faith. She always said, God will provide, but you have to do your part. You have to do the work. You have to accept responsibility. She was extremely generous with whatever we have. I grew up during the Depression. We shared our food. I remember we had this big house, and those were the days in which people would, they would work for food, literally. And we had a man living in our basement mm-hmm. who would work for room and board. And that was just wonderful to know that. Mm-hmm. And then my father, on the other hand, came from this country. My mother was not allowed to go to school. She came from a family. She had, from a family of five Nine children, she was the oldest, and she went to the third grade. Uh-huh. And her mother said she had to quit because she had to take care of all those children. 
My father came from Italy in which he could see people with an education and he never had access to one because his father died very young when his father was 40 years old. And my own father was wounded in the war. So when he came to this country, he said, okay, this is it. You're going to school. What you do, you can study whatever you want, but you will go to school. And so it was given. We went, but the, what he threw in was the fact that he would pay for it. So he paid for our. Now, when I got PhD, I know I had a scholarship. I went to school every place. I went to school in this country. I went to school in Italy. Um, when. Uh, we went to Germany. I, I went to school in, in Belgium. It was wonderful. So I had all of the, and I went to school in England. So it, it was wonderful because those are the things that would open your eyes. He says, and then you get to make your decisions. But then he always said, and both of this is what my parents always, always emphasize. You, whatever you do, you pay the consequences. And you can't have it both ways. So, you know, that's the environment in which I grew up. That's amazing. You know, I think it must have been during the 1940s and 50s then that you were pursuing your formal education. Yes. And you, uh, which my understanding is quite unusual for, for women during that, that era. And I'm wondering, because um, you, you went on to get a PhD, you waited a yes. bit longer to marry and have children than did many of the women in your, your generation. And then I'm wondering... So what message did, did you get from people or, or child? Did you encounter any challenges when you pers oh, pursued absolutely. that path? Absolutely. I, and, and the challenges that linger, because I remember when my daughter, Cassie, was in grade school, they asked me to come down to talk to her classmates, which I did. And I, uh, one of the girls in the class, I said, what would you like to be when you grow up? And one girl said, well, I'd like to be an astronaut. And this little boy said, well, you can't be that. She said, why? She said, he said, because you're a girl. Mm -hmm. And so those are the attitudes that linger in very subtle ways. That for my parents, my father always said, if I had a choice sending my sons or daughters to school, I would send my daughters. And why is that? He said, because my sons can always do hard labor. Oh. My daughters will have a profession to count on. Wow. That was wonderful. And he... <laughs> And of course, he met with opposition, and my mother particularly. But you know, he said, that's too bad. <laughs> and, <laughs> and we always had books in our house, always. And when I was a child, I was very frail, and I was always sick. Mm. And, you know, and, and so I couldn't do a lot of things. You know, I, I had, and it was congenital, and it was in our family, and I had a, a younger cousin who was, born with us, my, my esophagus tube was not connected. Oh. And so this child, you know, and they said, well, this is what you'll do. We can put a tube in there. And my mother said to this doctor, no, you won't. You'll grow up all, and all her life you have that tube, and she won't be able to talk. She'll whistle when she <laughs> talks. So my mother found another doctor. Oh. And the doctor said to her, let it be. It will connect and she will outgrow it. And sure enough, I have an, esoph I have an esophagus that's connected. That's connected. So, that, 
Yes, they, they really both were trailblazers. They were both very strong and they always stressed independence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I want to jump forward a bit in your life when you uh, were, teach- were at Roosevelt University and you're working yes. with returning adult students where you, where you yes. worked for 26 years. And what oh, about yes. that was, did you find so fulfilling and satisfying? Because when I always, I always said, you can do whatever you want if, you, if you're willing to pay the consequences, but I always looked for that potential. And that was, and I could see it in these adults who so often they were afraid. Mm-hmm. Because of all of these pressures in their early life, oh, and I can't, and women in particularly, in particular, and I would, and I would position them in such a way that I said, okay, now why don't we just try this? Don't do everything at once. Take a step at a time, a little bit, and you. Will, and then I would see them blossom. <laughs> it was so wonderful. And then I would say, well, why don't you try this? And why don't you try this? And what I wanted to do is to help them to explore their creativity. And then I would give them little assignments. I mean, little fun things. Now, this was the one thing. I said, okay. And what you learn to do, use the resources. And I said, okay, what you're going, you're not going to allow to go to the store. There's a great storm outside. It's going to last for a week. So what you have to do is create whatever you have, which within your pantry. Well, we came up with the most wonderful creative ideas. Mm. Yes, and I also should remember that my mother, and I may have mentioned this, you did not like to cook. Oh. So, oh, well, and one summer she went to Italy with to visit relatives, with other relatives, and while she was gone, I loved to cook. And so at the age of 14, when she came back, she said, good, well, then you just take over the cooking. So at the age of 14, I became the family really? cook. Huh. And then as I grew, and you know, all these paths converge. I love cooking and I love writing. And so I ended up doing is writing about cooking. And I tell us about your book, uh, The Seasonings, the cookbook, because I was, um, I have, I've actually made recipes from this, from this book. And I love reading the stories in here. So tell us a little bit about this. Okay. First of all, there were two young men in my town. And we would get together in our meetings and we put out a newspaper called the Winfield Post. And what I did was I wrote a food column for the Winfield Post. So then when the Post, they decided there wasn't, I don't know, there wasn't enough money to do something rather. And the, so they were going to fold. And I think they didn't want to spend the time. And there was two, these were two bright young men who were married to women who supported them. <laughs> so that says a lot. So they said, okay, <laughs> what I'm going to do is I'm going to take the recipes and those columns, I'm going to put them into a book, which I did. And I put them into book seasonings. And it came out, and I loved doing it. And I said, what I'm going to do with the proceeds of this book is to set up a scholarship fund, which I did. So then I gave the money. And the best party is when you have something you don't think you're going to get, then you get to choose what you want to do with it. And I set up the scholarship fund and then my brother passed away and his wife donated some other money. I said, okay, 
what I'm going to do is I'm going to have a scholarship fund, and then I'm going to have a particular award. It is called the Elfsum Award. And people can, you know, they can be nominated for this. Can you spell, spell that, that for us? What, what, what's the award? It's the Elfsum Award. E-L-S-A-M. L-S-A-M. Okay. Thank you. And what it was, it was going to be called the Sandmel Award, but then people thought, well, that, that kind of, it, it sounds kind of um, national, right? And so I said, let's make it Elsom. And their daughter was very happy with that. And my, my brother and his wife were both in the food industry. And so, uh, so you know, it, it all worked out. And, I, and it still keeps going. And I remember I used to love to have these little events at my house. I was always looking for an occasion, whether it was giving somebody a award, having the publication of a cookbook. And also, what is so wonderful is to see how you can bring out the best in people. That just, just is so wonderful. And I used to go to this one publisher in Naperville, and I said, what am I doing? He would give me the best price on these books. <laughs> he said, well, it's going to have a little margin of profit. And I said, well, that's good. I said, then I'll mention you. <laughs> <laughs> and I would thank you publicly for it. And I remember the first night I had this little open house. I said, well, you'll be happy to know. I said, I'm, I'm only going to order 500 books. And so, but we sold out the first night. And they were almost sold out. I said, okay, then you've got to give me more. <gasps> so, you know, that's how that started. And I loved writing that book. Okay. All right. What else can I, can I? Was it all Italian food that you were writing about? They were, well, when I was writing, no, they were the columns from, from seasonings. I see. Okay. The connection of food and celebrations. And I would take them through and talk about, you know, national holidays and, you know, and what food would mean to certain people at terms in their life. And it was that connection uh -huh. between food yeah. and, and, and people and the, and the, uh, and the connections we do with. Uh, Okay. So who is who the uh, uh, who is the scholarship for? The scholarship is for anyone who demonstrates a potential but does not have the means to fulfill it. So one year I gave it to a young girl who was had a lot of psychological issues, and you know she had been treated with medication over the years, but she had no sense of self worth at all. And I said, Katie. What I'd like to do is I see in you such talent that I'm going to give you this award. And she flourished. Mm. She was just and keep in touch over the years. One year I gave it to the son of our mail carrier because she had helped me once to work with her daughter. Her daughter interviewed me on women. It was a psychology course. It was in in women in, in their later life and what they would do. And then, and then her daughter said to me, well, you know, my, my brother is really having these issues because he can't figure out what to do in his life and he's afraid. So I said, why don't you have him come to see me? I would open my doors to everyone. So I sat down with Stevie and I said, Stevie, just tell me what your interests are. And he said, well, I've always wanted to study environmental science and I'm just so afraid I'm not going to make it. So anyhow, I said, well, let's try it. And well, he, he started at the College of DuPage. He just flourished. And then I gave him this award. And I love taking pictures. 
because he's this big, strong, strapping guy now. And here he is giving me a big hug. (laughs) (laughs) So anyhow, so, you know, and these are the things that I like to remember. So that's beautiful. So I I think that you're still writing. Is that, is that correct? And it has to do with seasons? Yeah. Now seasons of grace is my latest one, but let me tell you, this is part of a trilogy. Okay. The first, the first one is, it's called no dream too small, no dreamer, no dream too big, no dreamer too small. And what it, it's a tribute to my teachers in elementary school. <laughs> and it is, I loved writing it. And in the preface, I say, this book may not be as happened, but in my mind, it's how I record it. Mm-hmm. And I write a chapter on each mm-hmm. teacher because it is so vivid what I still see from my first teacher, Miss McElroy, to my last teacher, Miss Hipsley, who everybody thought was so mean. And I thought, ah, but all she wanted you to do was the work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's a, so it was wonderful to write these books. And then, as I say, the, um, the second book was A Working Life, The Connections Between Your, How to Achieve Your Goals, Personal and Professional Goals, an Integrative Approach. And then my last is The Season of Grace, in which I talk about getting older. Well, tell so, us, what are some of the main, are, you're, you're currently working on that one? Well, I just finished just this finished. now. I just, I just finished it now. And I have a, uh, I've been working uh, with an agent who lived in the building next door to me at Roosevelt. And the main themes of this book are, you know, um, you know, what is uh, aging in America? I talk about, and it, the subtitle is, it's a season of grace, creativity, and later adulthood. The introduction is called, Grow Long, Grow Old Along With Me, The Best Is Yet To Be. <laughs> <laughs> and then I have, is this true? And then I have a, a quote um, uh, in which I say, we live life forward, but understand it backwards. And that's a quote from Kierkegaard. And that's true. And so what you want to do is you want to look at your life and try to understand that. Because we, there are so many people we know who are just old and bitter they live their life in regrets. And it, while you cannot change that time, you can change your understanding. You say, no, this is who you were then. If you try to understand why you did what you mm-hmm. did then, then it will help you to enjoy your later years. And then I am, I talk about the, uh, uh, the demographics, the attitude towards changing in society. And then the second part is called upstaging time, a thriving population the creative process versus the age process. And then what I do is I do little bios of people who did their best work in their later years, Michelangelo, Verdi, and so on, and how old they were when they when they achieved their certain their, their major works. And the, this Listine Chapel um, that Michelangelo painted when he was in his 70s. And then I talk about, you know, those who... Men, People like Grandma Moses, 
George Bernard Shaw, uh, Benjamin Franklin. And how did it happen? How was it nurtured? And then I talk about the, uh, the anatomy of creativity. And then I kept interviews with adults who were engaged in creative projects. And there used to be a program called I'm Too Busy to Talk Now. And it was on PBS and it was a series. And I still have those tapes, which are so wonderful. And then I talk about them. Um, um, how you make peace, your freedom from your past, and how you cope with change, and uh, the new direction for leisure, learning, loving, and living. And then I have an appendix of where you can get additional information. That is fab wonderful. When will this uh, be published? Do you know it? Well, I'm hoping. Um, well, my goal is to at least have a, a copy by the end of the mm -hmm. year because the book is done. So, and you will get a call. Oh, thank you, because we'd be delighted to uh, let our listeners know when this is available. It sounds like a wonderful oh, contribution. So I want to ask you in the few minutes we have left, Marie, about your, your 91. And yes. I'm wondering, we're wondering how you think about aging, getting old. And I know that your husband of 57 years, I think you've been married, is um, yes. in declining health and so kind of give us a glimpse of your life now and how you how you think about aging, if you think okay. about it. All right. Okay. First of all, from the moment we are born, we're not going to live forever. Okay? Even though I think I have good genes, you know, what I do is I recognize what I need to do. I'm in good health. I mean, really take good care of myself. I go to bed. I'm in bed by nine every night. I get up in the morning because I've had a good eight, eight and a half hours sleep. And I can sit down. I have peace and calm in my life. I try to avoid negative people. And for the most part, I do. I always say, that's interesting. And I let it go. I don't have to have them in my life. I am grateful. I have wonderful daughters. They are just marvelous. Caroline checks in with me every morning. And Cass checks in with me every night. And my reward is I have two wonderful granddaughters. So, anyhow, so, and I have that. And then I, I try to eat well, sleep well, and that's pretty much, and enjoy every single day and say, well, and as I say, my mother's, well, aren't we lucky? And I do. I feel that I am so fortunate to have so much. So, oh, yeah. okay. So tell, I think that, yeah, that you're, as I understand it, your husband is now living in a, uh, assisted living facility, and and what has that been like for you in terms of after fifty seven years of living in the same place? Okay, I when my daughters always ask me, "How do you feel?" I am mean, not. It makes me sad. That's my immediate response. Is there's a sadness that comes when I look at his decline because he was so physically active. Mm -hmm. And I see his cognitive decline. On the other hand, I say he has the best care possible. Mm -hmm. They are the kindest, most compassionate people. And I, I already spoke with him this morning. I did FaceTime, and I can see his decline. But, you know, he has done so much. He's written so many marvelous books. And, so, and I try to accept that, you know. And that's... 
there's nothing more that I can do except feel grateful that, you know, and, and they say to me, mother, it really is, it, it really is very costly for him to be there. And I said, that's why he works so hard. <laughs> yes. That's right. That's yeah. it. And then I said, how lucky I am that, that we can afford to have mm-hmm. him do this. And, you know, and it is, it is, it is an elegant place to live. Mm-hmm. And I'm very pleased. And he knows mm-hmm. that. And he knows he's getting good I'm, care. I'm, I'm really happy to hear that. So um, is there, we started the conversation about your life lessons, and I'm wondering if you have uh, any f- other advice, especially for younger women. For younger women is to not take life for granted. Don't take people for granted. Look at, the, look at what you have rather than what you don't have. And... Try to identify where you'd like to be, what it's going to take for you to get there. Not everybody takes the same route, and nobody says you have to do this. But if you want to pay the consequence, if you want to pay, pay the price for what it is, then how do you start, and who do you talk to? Learn to talk to the people in your life who can help you along the way, and they will pass that on. You want to be able to pass on something. That's really nice. Gail, do you um, do you have any questions or comments, Gail? I no, I've just enjoyed this conversation so very much, Marie. And and you're a very inspiring woman and you've accomplished so much in your life. Okay, thank you. It's been a joy. Well, thank you so very much. <laughs> thank you for joining and us. The, and enjoy the sunshine. <laughs> it is a gorgeous Absolutely. Day. so thanks for joining us marie and listeners please leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts become an active participant in our community through the facebook group and our monthly zoom gatherings and we will see you next wednesday on women over 70 aging reimagined thank you for listening to women over 70 aging reimagined If you like what you've heard today, please subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen. In what ways are you shattering the myths that women over 70 are no longer relevant or visible? How are you celebrating aging? Join with us. Make your voice heard. Find us at womenover70.com.